Welcome to Knowledge Cast. This is a look into the world of knowledge management, information management, data management, and everything in between. This is brought to you by Enterprise Knowledge. I'm Zach Wall, founder and CEO of EK. And today with me, we have Claudia Sandulake, Director of Knowledge Management at the Societe Generale. Claudia, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's really great to be able to share around the knowledge management. Yeah, fantastic. So if you've listened to any of the previous podcasts, you will know that one of the things that I always like to do is ask people to lead off with how they define knowledge management. What is KM? If you bump into somebody at a cocktail party and oddly start talking about KM, how do you describe it? For me, uh, this is one of the questions I often receive because people do not know what the knowledge management is. In France, this is an English term, so they don't like that much to hear about knowledge management. But when I explain it, for me, it's like a coin which has two faces. Mm -hmm. There's what we do in terms of knowledge management department and knowledge management team. So I explain that all that is initiative, method, technique, for capturing, filtering, organizing, but also sharing and most importantly, capitalizing on what we call business knowledge, on the know-how also, in order to have the right information at the right time, have a quality and availability of the information. This is what we do on our side as knowledge management Mm -hmm. department. But for me, knowledge management, it's also being able to explain it in what we call natural terms to our users. Because if we have a great knowledge management program, but uh, that's not being used, that's not being capitalized on, that's not being um, used properly, uh, then we have a big problem. So that's why the second phase of this coin for us, it's this promotion of a knowledge management culture, what we call knowledge management reflex, being able to have this uh, collaborative approach, uh, an organizational culture centered uh, around responsible exchange and sharing of documents, of information, and of knowledge. Because for us, if we have information that are being multiplied or demultiplied in too many spaces without preserving the initial source, then Mm -hmm. we have a big problem in finding the information at the right time. And according to an analysis we did in our retail bank, people spend around 30 minutes per day in finding and verifying that the information they found is correct. So for me, knowledge management, it's these two sides, what we do and what our users do with what we created as a content, as information, as practices. Claudia, I love that. You know, the way that I would paraphrase that is to say, it doesn't matter what you're doing with knowledge management if your end users, your colleagues, your cohort doesn't see the value of it. It's really not that worthwhile. So KM is only as good as the experience of your constituents. That's that's a really wonderful way to look at it. You mentioned a few things there that I want to pull apart to unpack. First of all, you talked about know-how which to me, this term is used a lot in KM. And and the way that I like to think about this is basically not just telling somebody the answer, but telling them why that is the answer, how that answer was derived. Is that how you're looking at know-how as well? That's one part of it, yes. Mm -hmm. 
when I took over the department, my predecessor did a great job of moving on from a document repository, which is a mm -hmm. great foundation to have. And she started this movement, which I continue and develop now, of going from documentation to knowledge and to this capturing of know-how. But it's not that easy because people like to stick to their own practices, to their own uh, way of doing things. So we have a great foundation of information, but how is it transferred? In France, I don't know if this is specific. I think it's not specific to France, but here there's a culture of uh, an mm -hmm. oral heritage. When we take over a new job, there is uh, an exchange, if we are lucky with the person who's taking over from us. But uh, we try to always tell them, yes, but remember if you're not there or, or what uh, COVID showed us is that if you don't have information captured in a written form, you cannot pass it on to somebody else. So we try to encourage this transition from what's standardized information through let's capture what's experience, what's know-how to complete this standard information in order for somebody to be able to, to take over another task or to do something in a crisis environment. This is one of the, the new initiatives we had uh, last year to go towards the crisis management department and to propose yeah. our help in organizing a crisis response with capturing and filtering information and creating digital spaces where people can capture and document their know-how. Very good. Uh, and this shows a lot of maturity on your part. First of all, you're dead on. People most naturally share their knowledge by speaking, by being social with people and imparting that knowledge largely through question and answer, conversation. But when it comes to asking somebody to just record their knowledge, that becomes a lot harder. And I think the biggest impediment is the fact that they're effectively talking to a machine. They're inputting data all of a sudden. And so it becomes almost a more difficult pursuit for them. How have you broken down those barriers? How have you gotten people to share their know-how, their knowledge in a digital format so that it can be used and reused? We, what we are trying to do now, we started last year with some um, experimental um, projects in different departments. We launched mm -hmm. a structure, a program almost. We call it Passation in French. It's a, a transmission um, kit that we tested with several different departments. We take extreme users, the people who like to share and the people who don't like to share at all. So we took uh, some, several cases like that. We started it with, into our own team because we have a great pool of uh, knowledge. And we uh, kind of tried to structure this kit where we offer advice. We, uh, we started with why. What's in it for you to do that? And we heard from people like, I've been here for 30 years. I like to share knowledge, but nobody is there to listen to what I have to say. I don't feel valued <laughs> right. enough. So we took that extreme user and we took people who are like, I'm too busy. I don't have time to share. I don't know how to do it. And we tried to create like, why would you as a manager want to have this initiative in your team? Why would you as an employee, we call it in France, we don't like to call employee, we like to call collaborators. Mm -hmm. So I like it. the collaborator, we took them and we, we told them what's in it for you to share this knowledge. And we gave them a way of organizing, I believe a lot in reflecting before starting to do something. So mm. why would you do that? Let's think about it. What's in it for you? 
we have a lot of interesting knowledge that we can share, especially because in Société Générale, we have a practice that every four years you can change the job. So it's hoarding of information does not help you. It's way more efficient if you share it with people that are taking over your job. So this creates value for you and for the people who are there. So we kind of gave them a form where they can organize, synthesize the information in their heads and try to put it in written form. We told them that we can help them by doing interviews. We have different tools like SpeechMe or other where they can mix the mediums. They can do videos, they can do written forms. We kind of help them with OneNote, for example, if they, they are not so tech savvy, but we provided those several forms and we try to deploy it at the larger scale because we had we had it at the prototype level and now we are trying to deploy it at a larger level, especially because we are in a fusion context. We are mixing two banks into Société Générale. We will have a larger bank, which will uh, be reborn after that. So this is the best context to provide this kit in order to help transition the new people towards the new organization and capture the, the essential information which has to be synthesized and documented somewhere. Uh, we wow. are at the beginning of this process, but the positive feedback we got helped us uh, into this continuous improvement process that we are trying to do, to listen to our users and deploy this kit and capture little by little the information. There are some other initiatives at customer level departments because we are at central level. Mm -hmm. But in yeah. the customer level, um, there are several departments which are dealing with customer information. They already have something in place. So we are trying to mutualize that with our approach of synthesizing and organizing the information. And we try to guide them in order to be able, for somebody who's not at ease with how do I start, how do I think about, we always tell them, somebody was making fun uh, uh, the other day when we were telling them, think about explaining to your kids. That's how you start thinking. You explain yeah. it to your kids and you start thinking that they don't know what you're talking about. So you make it simple, you organize it to the essential, and then Think what you had to deal with when you took over the, po the position. Did you know where to go? Where are the resources? If not, try to document it in this way. So we have a form where we guide them step by step into different phases of this process. Wonderful. You know, there's so much good there to go back to and reiterate. I love the fact that you've done this iteratively. It seems like you started small, you proved the value, you leveraged some design thinking techniques to really empathize with your collaborators and understand how they could most naturally share information. It sounds like you're giving them almost like a script, a guide yes, to share yes. their knowledge, but you're also giving them some coaching, some interviewing support if they get stuck. There's just really a, a number of wonderful things that I, that I heard there that I wanted to make sure got pulled out. Talk to me about what the end product of that looks like. So this person who's maybe at the end of their four years has shared their knowledge. How is it captured? What form is it in so that somebody else can find it most effectively and act on it? We don't have many end results as we deployed it recently. But for example, mm -hmm. one of the examples that we use to show to the others, it's my own departments, my own teams, uh, because we like to always go to put it online. 
Try not yeah. to standardize it in documents. Don't go into shared networks because that's where information gets like stuck. Yeah. So we yeah. try to recommend them. Look, we recommend you a mix of, we call it wikis, the SharePoint mm -hmm. uh, possibility of wikis. You yeah. have a SharePoint on your team. We are working on a prototype uh, right now with uh, another team. And we show them our own space. Like we have a public space and a private space of the team. In the private space, we have an organization like technical issues, knowledge for the whole team and knowledge by job. And when we do that, um, kit, when we deploy that kit, we tell them you do not re-say or re-copy everything. You're just organizing the information that's already available and you capture that information on the SharePoint, for example, or you capture it into the um, operating procedure. You are going to publish it in our database. You get a permanent link from the database yeah. and you can integrate it into the SharePoint. So you have Perfect. always the best version, the last version available. Yeah. If it's not public enough to stock it into our database, you put it on your SharePoint and into that kit that's becoming a presentation that you can also share in one of the wikis or on your front page of your SharePoint, for example, you have this organization. The first part, the introductory part, you can find information here and there and there and there. What you need to know about accesses or habilitations are there and there and there. What you need to know about your job and the specificities of your job, for example, what we have in our in our part, how to solve a certain technical problem or how to approach a certain restructuring of a certain uh, digital space, or I don't know, these are examples. It's really well organized and they can find it. Afterwards, there's also the um, problem of really well structuring the information and metadata you put when you you save it because mm -hmm. we have a really great uh, search engine now but if there's too much information that's spread too widely i adore the french term infobésité infobésité information obesity <laughs> that's a I like translation it. you get that if you have too many sources in too many directions spread all over the place so we are trying to limit uh, between the main database and the teams and we always advise them share links don't share presentations don't share right. documents it's ecologically recommended and it's informationally recommended perfect and i like that term a lot infobicity i think i'm gonna have to uh, co-opt that one that's that's nice so i want to go back to you gave me a statistic that i think is really important you mentioned that the finding was that 30 minutes of each employees, collaborators' time was spent looking for information. Is that accurate? Can you tell us how you derived that statistic? We shared a questionnaire almost two years ago. Yeah. We wanted to assess a little bit how people are using information, how people are sharing information, and what's, what are their main sources of information inside the company. Mm -hmm. uh, but our part of retail bank, I'm always talking about the retail bank. I'm not talking yeah. about the general in general. We already knew from uh, the uh, the other sources at international level that around 20 minutes people spent on researching and validating. Again, that's the important part, validating information they found. So mm -hmm. um, my hierarchy asked me, yes, but do you have this data on our level, on bank level? And I said, no, but we can try to find it out. So during the summer, when 
theoretically, people have less work to do, they have holidays and so on. We launched this inquiry to our collaborators and we had their responses that we synthesized. Because in terms of KPI, we are trying to show our management the value adds and show how much uh, impact we have uh, with the knowledge management uh, initiatives. We are lucky to have a really supportive hierarchy, but as anywhere we have financial constraints, we have to prove what's essential, what's important. And in order to prioritize all this, we have to know the impact. It was not easy, but we had answers from really large variety of collaborators. We had people from the agencies. We had people from central level. The answers varied from 15 minutes a day to two hours. So mm-hmm. It's really different, but that's an average. 30 minutes, it's an average. Yeah, I, and I think that that tracks. What we tend to find is through our own internal studies and surveys, 20 to 30% of an employee's time is spent looking for information, waiting for information, trying to verify they have the right information or actually recreating information that existed, but of which they were unaware. So it sounds like with a little bit of range, you found the same thing. So it's, it's always great to get a validation of that statistic. That's one of the reasons why we deployed what we are calling knowledge management principles. Talk to me about that. To limit that and to tell them in order to have a viable information, we are all contributors to this informational environment that we have. So mm-hmm. we synthesized seven principles, and one of them it's this one. Don't start creating from scratch. Check out what's being already done. Do a benchmarking. And afterwards, if now there's nothing done, you start creating content. But normally, as we have this great governance, we know who the experts are on each area. Uh, My team is also orienting the people towards the experts so that we do not create and we try to explain to the people the value of coming to the main source and not doing stuff uh, outside the official governance because the principles, they have to do also with what we call conformité in France, basically compliance principles. So mm-hmm. whatever is being done that's, that can be useful at a regional level, we try to establish this two-way street communication. Tell us about it. We are trying to get you in touch with the experts, validate that, and put it in the main database so that it can be used by others also. Okay. So you mentioned these seven principles. That sounds really interesting. Are these out on the web somewhere that everybody could see them? They're, they are on the internal site. Ah, okay. <laughs> because well, if we are, not visible, our main yeah. users are basically the employees of the bank. So we do not have a main site, but we have synthesized in what we call a guide for creating and sharing information at the bank yeah. level. And there we start from creating content, sharing content, uh, using social media tools, using all the digital environments in uh, the better way possible. So we, we try to synthesize in this guide all the best principles in which the guiding principles are the knowledge management principles. Got it. Okay. Well, I love the fact that you have a guiding set of principles. I think, obviously, from where I'm sitting, KM is pretty important. So the idea of helping to market that value and remind all of your team members of really what the good KM behavior is through a a core set of principles, I think is a really neat idea. And that's unique. I haven't heard of that a lot. You mentioned something else, and I, I really like this. 
increasingly within an organization, it is critical to be able to tie KM to, you said, KPIs, to uh, return on investment, to the business impact. And it seems like you've taken great care in doing that with the survey and with the estimates of time lost. What else are you doing in that space? It seems like a real area of focus. So how are you, how are you really demonstrating or quantifying the value of KM? Besides the KPIs, because everybody uh, understands quantity more than yeah. quality, because KM, it's in itself a qualitative initiative. So we are trying to make it clear and understandable for everybody else. And mm-hmm. what one of the initiatives we managed to deploy this year that we are kind of really proud of is a user, what we call a user club. With the help of uh, another department, we managed to find KM ambassadors. So we wanted mm-hmm. to have representatives from each of the region, representatives from different jobs, in order to communicate with them directly. No matter how many communications we did, no matter how many games we did, no matter how many competitions we did, we have participation. We cannot say we don't have, we have participation. But it's something else to hear directly from the users what they are doing, what mm-hmm. are their main issues, what are their main problems. Because what we know and what we hear in at central level, it's not always what happens at the regional level. So we have two clubs. We have a contributors club, the club with the people who produce the information, and we have that users club. And at the users club, we have around 45 collaborators from the, all the French regions. And this is the one that, that's working the best. We are really happy with the participation. People are interested. They discover uh, ways of doing their work better. And they always tell us, this helps us with the operational efficiency. This helps us with faster decision-making. This helps us in saving time. So this direct communication with them helps a lot. I saw improvement in what they were doing. So we always tell them, don't keep it for yourself. Spread the news, spread the information to your yeah. uh, colleagues at regional level. And we want to maintain this long term. This was a, a six-month trial. But seeing what we saw as positive impact, we want to continue that. And my next deployment, would we want to enforce this positivity aspect. Uh, we tell them how to do things. We tell them, we guide you. We give you kits. We give you best practices. We give you tools. But we want to reinforce that positive example. We want to implement what mm-hmm. we like to call knowledge champions. This is not yet deployed. But after the knowledge ambassadors, mm-hmm. what I wanted to deploy with my team was this approach of putting into the light the positive example of somebody who did good, who has good practices, who capitalizes on their knowledge, who documents his knowledge, and so on. So that would be, in a way, almost like internal success stories, like this person or this group shared their knowledge, saved the organization time, avoided risk, and and so it'd become a, a set of stories. I love that. Let's go back to the experts. You mentioned the fact that through governance, you've done a, a really good job of identifying who your experts are and steering people to your experts. How have you identified your experts? How, how have you figured out who an expert or what an expert is within your organization? 
this was an initiative that I inherited from my previous, uh, the, the previous manager of the team, which mm -hmm. I found a really great organization. When they established the data repository we have now, they thought more process. How do we produce information? They called it at that time normative information. What's legal information? What's in terms of uh, bank standard practices, legal practices, uh, standard operation practices, and so on, really what you have to do in order to do your job good. But afterwards, uh, all the management, the higher management was involved at each department or business level. They had to nominate an expert, which will be part of the official governance. So this came from top down. They asked the higher managers to nominate some of their experts, and they became part of this initiative. And uh, now we have a pool of experts that we know. And each time a documentation or uh, official information is produced, is produced by somebody in their team. We have an workflow. They validate it. They validate it with the other departments which might be involved, like legal, like risk, uh, operational risk, like all the, the other departments validate the quality of the information. And afterwards, it gets published into the database, the unique database we have. And afterwards, it gets shared with the whole bank. The identification of who your experts are combined with the knowledge transfer processes and techniques that you're doing, that, that's a great combination. If you know who holds your knowledge, then you know who you need to get that knowledge from and get it from a tacit standpoint into an explicit standpoint so that others can learn from it. So I, I see how the pieces are fitting together here. Claudia, let's take a step back. How did you get into KM? How did you begin in this field and how did you find your way to where you are now? I'm not sure if it's funny, but it's an interesting way because I know few other knowledge management uh, colleagues because when I was working in HP, I was on a global level, so I get to meet different people. So I started as many of the knowledge professionals as a customer center <laughs> agent. Mm -hmm. Like a call uh, agent, help desk sort of thing? Sort of, because I was on the complaints department. <laughs> ah, so oh that's the trickiest part of them all, because we had to deal with complaints all along. And the information was really important. And at that point, we knew that besides our already made answers, the experience the other agents had were, were was important and it was not documented somewhere. So there was a small beginning of knowledge management in there. But I always had this passion for transmitting knowledge. When I moved on um, into my career, I, I left uh, that position and I started with a, re uh, a credit and collection position, mm. uh, which had nothing to do with transmission of knowledge. It was just still another way of customer care. Everybody was telling me, you have a gift for transmitting knowledge. You have to go into training. Yeah. Basically, my studies are in training. I was supposed to be a professor. And that aspect never left me. I'm still a professor at heart, but I developed different uh, different skills, uh, which helped me a lot. Then uh, in this credit and collection job, I was again pushed into a training and learning and development position. They mm -hmm. always said, you have to transmit knowledge. It's your talent. You have to go in this way. So they kind of pushed me into a training position, into the team first, and then into a real, what we called it at that time, a knowledge consultant. 
which was an EMEA position at the time. And that was a really rich and even empowering experience because I was an expert first, but then I get to move into this transmitting the knowledge, transmitting the know-how, and I get to change sides and reflect on how do I transmit information better so that people can integrate that. So I got really passionate about these design thinking approaches, uh, real design, like how do we create materials? How do mm-hmm. people learn? How do people perceive information? How do we create meaning? How do we put information into a, a medium that's more interesting and more catchy for people that makes uh, transmission of knowledge and know-how easier. So from this knowledge consultant uh, EMEA position, I moved into a global position at one point, and that was another rich way of developing because I had to create training materials. I had to do projects, technical and business projects, which were relating to knowledge because my part was always knowledge in these projects. And how do I adapt knowledge to a lot of different cultures, a lot of different mentalities, a lot of different ways of comprehending that information? Mm -hmm. Because what uh, I always like to say in my team is always amused when I start with this. I don't know if that you know that anecdote of the um, cruise ship and the, um, the handyman. No, please go ahead. Because when they ask me what's the the role of knowledge management into a company, I always like to tell this story. Uh, They say there was a huge cruise ship with a huge engine which uh, got broken. And the proprietors and administrators called for experts. Two weeks, they tried to find what's wrong with the engine. Of course, uh, there were a lot of monetary loss. And then somebody remembered that there was an old handyman who used to work for that company when, since he was really young, and he always took care of the engine. They got the handyman uh, there. He looked at the engine. He listened to everything for two hours, and then... From his toolbox, he took a small hammer. He like struck two times slowly the engine and the whole engine started working. The proprietors received the bill and it was like $10,000 and they were shocked. Like you spent two hours, you hit the engine twice. Why would you charge us that much? And his answer was like uh, hitting the, with a small hammer, $2, 9998 knowing how, where, and why to to hit it. Beautiful. And being able to standardize that sharing of that expertise can become your greatest competitive advantage. And it seems like that's really been your focus. Talk to me a little bit about what comes next. What's on your transformation roadmap? What's in your plans for KM? Oh, (laughs) my former boss, um, which I greatly admire, used to say, Claudia's ambitions. What are are your Claudia's ambitions? Claudia's ambitions go towards what you call a a headless CMS, which I used to call an electronic content management system. I would like a lot to change what we have now in terms of technology, go towards a really modern technology, which would allow us to have the content production, content sharing 
the capitalizing all the life cycle of the content. I uh, use content on purpose because we have all different means of presentation, videos, everything in our database mainly now. But we have only the way to publish it in certain formats and we do not have enough standardization. We do not Mm -hmm. have a real taxonomy. We have some metadata, metadata which is good, but we want to make it great. And we are working a lot with our contributors so that we can create and maintain the quality of our main documentation, our main database. And it's not easy because our experts, their main job is to do the bank-related jobs. So creating content is not their main priority. And when we start creating content in an outdated documentation repository, this takes a lot of time. This creates a lot of short circuits and they are used to create content process-based. And we would like to have user-based content. Excellent. Yeah. Which would be really easy to digest and really easy to diffuse, to share from the main content, to share it on different mediums, being it SharePoints or internets or other medium, but controllable, maintainable from one centralized uh, way by our team or, or by a future team, but which would get uh, all the machine learning, all the AI technology easier to use because it's really hard. We tried, we did some trials with chatbots. Mm-hmm. Our content, it's too diverse. It's too particular to be used. It's not standardized enough. It cannot be transferred into an AI initiative. So I would really like to go into this uh, headless CMS, into this ERMS uh, way of uh, technology. I would like to have... Of course, a taxonomy, we have some initiatives, data initiatives at group level, but to have it at bank level or our retail bank level, I would like to have some knowledge graphs. I would like to have a lot of tools to clear tools to give to our users, which would simplify their lives, increase efficiency and decision making. I I think that's quite an ambition. I love it. That's great. You know, it strikes me, Claudia, that that ambition is very much tied to the way that you talk about KM. There are the KM team things that need to be done, figuring out the taxonomy, standing up the technology. And then there's the collaborator, employee, business outcome sorts of things. Improved findability, getting a chatbot that makes sense, that's smart, getting the ability to ask a simple question and, and get the right answer. So I like the way that you're thinking about this. And also, you're, you basically just listed off a very mature set of technologies, headless CMS that's powering flexible content deliveries, knowledge graphs that are allowing your users to find and discover and traverse content and potentially powering some knowledge AI. This is exciting stuff. Where are you on this roadmap? Is this wish list at this point? Or have you started to uh, look into technologies, make decisions, lay the foundation? We are trying to lay the foundation, but for example, what we have now, it's that central database. And mm-hmm. one of uh, the first principles that I was talking about is use the permanent links we have in the database to disseminate that information, to share it, do not use the documents. We are having a good governance. We are having a good structure. We have a great search engine, but the search engine has its limits if the content is not organized good enough or Mm -hmm. if the information is not fresh enough. 
So we were are working on consolidating the database we have now and try to do a document lifecycle workflow, try to do what we can to go to this part. But what's AI? It's still ambition. I'm yeah. trying to prepare the um, the ground. I'm trying to to prepare the content. We are working a lot on uh, on standardizing as much as possible, on refreshing. On uh, we call it a confidence label on our, all our documents because if yes. they are shared from the right database, from our database, they do have that standardized label which says official documentation maintained, traced, etc. But if they download it, it loses that label. So we mm-hmm. we just launched this uh, this year. So it's again a change management with our teams, with our collaborators. But we want to go that AI level, that knowledge graphs, the taxonomy. We have only metadata for the moment. Some of them I'm laying the foundations, but putting them together, going yeah. towards the new tool, it's still working progress. Wonderful. Well, you're laying the right foundations and foundations is the right word. I mean, when I hear about structure in taxonomy and then probably ontologies, when I hear about standardization of cleaning up, not just the format of your content, but the quality of it, you're already doing a great job with tacit knowledge capture. You're already focused on governance. You're doing the right things. You're well on your way. So uh, for what it's worth, we started doing them. We try to deploy it at larger level and I know change management takes a while, so we try yeah. to, to go it with the, uh, the user clubs and so on so that we can disseminate it at the right levels and the people understand the, what's in it for them and the value of stuff, and they support our initiatives. And That's... since um, last year, I think we see really positive results. It sounds that way. And the fact that you're measuring all of this and you can actually show numbers as to how this is impacting the organization positively, I think is great. Claudia, let's end, end with this. What is that one thing that an organization must do to have knowledge management stick, to have it really work within the organization? For me, it's listen to the users because yeah. if you don't know what they need, what are their needs, and how do you adapt to their needs, you can have the best tools. And if they don't know how to use them and why, they use them in, in a certain way, it's complicated. We have a lot of new tools being implemented and we try to work with the technical teams so that we can leverage also the best practices together with the tools. If we do not start on the right step from the beginning, they are being used differently and the knowledge principles go out of the window. So for me, I, I think knowing the theory, it's a good thing of uh, having the great principles of knowledge management, but adapting them a lot to your users, to your context. Yeah. And the hardest part for me, it's measuring that impact. I think that's spot on. I, I always say the, the one best practice you're not allowed to break is to put your users, your humans at the center of the KM initiative. Anything else you can bend for them, but that one is non-negotiable. So spot on. Claudia Sandeleke, Director of Knowledge Management at the Société Générale, thank you so much for your time. Great conversation. And keep up the good work. You're doing some really, really fantastic things there. And I I feel like if we check in with you in another year or two, you're going to have some even more exciting things to report on. I am happy to have had this exchange with you, and I'm grateful to my hierarchy for the openness and the support of the Knowledge Management Initiatives. 
and of course to my team for their daily innovation and continuous improvement mindset and actions. To our listeners, thanks for being a part of this episode of the Knowledge Cast. And to check out more information on KM, visit our website at enterprise-knowledge.com. Thanks, everybody.